Hi, Harley. Hi, Kevin. And welcome, 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 welcome to the final season of Juno Steel. Ah! This is wild. Yes, it's very, very strange to be here. Uh, how are you doing, Harley? I am great. I am so excited for people to hear what's coming. I do want to do a little housekeeping, though, for the traveler's benefit. <laughs> So, travelers, you probably noticed that we have ads on the episodes now, which is not our favorite thing either, but it is something that we had to do in order to stay afloat, and we hope that you will understand. We do want you to know that ad-free versions of the episodes will still be available on Patreon at the $4 level or higher, if that is something that's important to you. Also, we have heard your questions. And so we're happy to announce that we will have a video recording available of our most recent live show, Juno Steel and the Things We Buried. We don't know exactly when yet. We're working on the closed captions, but it exists and it'll go up on our merch store ASAP. I am also very, very excited for people to get to see that who weren't able to make it in person. It went so well. I'm so happy with it. It really did. It honestly was a magical night. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, We're going to have an amazing final season. We know you're going to love it. So enjoy the episode. Ah, good evening, traveler, and welcome to the Penumbra. Tonight's tale is Juno Steel and the Vanishing Act. Last time, I need you to... Hey, watch it, pal. I need you to pick up your goddamn comms. This is... Well, screw you too, buddy. This is kind of an emergency. I'm on Lono. I've burned through every credit I have. Hey, hands off, buster. Look, I really need your help, so... <sighs> Mr. Steele, I think I figured out why Mr. Mercury ain't answering your calls. Because he's... He's... <sighs> Something incredibly unkind that I'll regret saying later. No, read this newspaper. Famous writer Mercury seen in top secret stream set. His bold crown trio stream in the works. Ugh. If it's top secret, they probably took his comms away. Mixed leakier than a colander. Got any other ideas? Because you are not borrowing money from me. You are the, the worst, worst money borrower ever. Yeah, you've said that. Hold on. Actually, I think I do have an idea. Rita, give me your comms. What? Mrs. Steele, what's wrong with yours? My comms? Oh, my comms is fine. If she sees it's me calling, she's not going to pick up. But you think this person's going to loan you some money? She better. She owes us. Hey there, Cassandra. Guess who? She hung up. So, plan C? I'm not ready to give up on plan B yet. Getting comms cut in your ears all part of the PI job, Rita. Next step, we make a house call. Oh boy, Mr. Steele, it is good to be back. Alono is a city in a bubble in two ways. One, its mega-wealthy residents are mostly protected from the hardships of modern galactic life and couldn't tell you the price of a loaf of bread without missing by three digits. And two, it's literally in a freaking bubble. Alono is a city wrapped around an asteroid so small that it all fits neatly in a spherical plasma dome, smaller than Hyperion City. Cleaner, too. But you don't notice Lono's small when you're in it. Bright lights, loud music. Lono's a city slash planet on the lips of every kid who wants to make it big. And apparently a certain thief who needed a really big score. Let me back up a little bit. 
It took a few minutes after Rita and the Ruby and I blasted off from Mixed Dive Bar on the moon for me to realize that I had no idea where we were going. <clears throat> so, uh, where is Mr. Nureyev? Uh, Ruby? Set course for Peter Nureyev. Yeah, I know that much, but how do you know where he is? The ruby touched my mind with a feeling. And the ancient Martian junk in my blood tuned itself to receive it. Problem was, I couldn't tell what the hell that feeling was supposed to be. It almost felt like reaching for something far away. Something familiar. Something you expect to touch any second, reaching and reaching. And then the feeling passed, and I still didn't know a goddamn thing. And the ruby could tell. Set course for Peter and Ray. All right, whatever, as long as you get us there. So we'd followed the ruby's nose as far as it would go, and Lono, apparently, was where the trail went cold. It's also where my wallet ran empty. So we were on this planet of big dreams and long shots for a couple of long shots of my own. First, to find Nureyev in a city planet of 10 million people, and second, to get some PI work for the first time in years. My name's Juno Steele. I'm a private eye. Again. And I always get my man. After I get paid, that is. Which brings us to Cassandra Kanagawa, who Rita, the Ruby, and I found with a small camera crew outside one of Lono's hundreds of nightclubs. Oh, great. It's you. Uh, if you don't want to get found, maybe don't give interviews saying exactly where you'll be. <clears throat> Martian Stream Stars documentary series is coming to Lono. I want to learn about nightlife in the city where night never ends, says Cassandra Kanagawa, creator of the Other Lives documentary stream series. Oh, wow. You learned to read since the last time we talked. I guess people do change. <sighs> You're not going to stop harassing me until I talk to you, are you? Harassing is a strong word. What would you call it, then? Oh, uh, har harassing. I said it was a strong word, not the wrong word. I need money, Cass, and I'm willing to work for it. And you owe me for Rita getting you out of Hoosgau. Fine. Take five, everybody. I've got a pest to take care of. Let's walk. Where is Rita? Taking the car for a walk. It gets restless. You can never just say anything normal, can you? <sighs> well, you're barking up the wrong tree, money-wise, Steel. Because I don't have anything to give you. The family cut me off after I jetted out of Huskow. Your secretary hacking in a technicality got me free. But it seems like the Kanagawas only like technicalities when they pay out in full to Min. Not that surprising, I guess. Documentaries aren't bringing anything in? Other lives pays for itself, and that's about it. I'm happy it makes that much, to be honest. I'm glad you get to do what you always wanted, Cass. Honestly. You... what? I said I'm glad. That's weird now? No, I mean... no sarcasm, no bad jokes, no insults. Reading's not all I learned how to do over the past few years. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can tell. Okay, I'll admit it. I do owe you. I don't have any money to give you, but I think I can help you out. Why the sudden change of heart? You can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. 
And you can catch even more flies if you're not a huge jerk to the flies all the time. I'll remember that next time I need a whole bunch of gross bugs for some reason. What is this help you're offering? A job. I know a producer who has his fingers in a lot of projects on Lono, including other lives. And he has a problem. A thief problem. A thief? What kind of thief? Either a really good thief or just a really dramatic one. He left a calling card, see? Told everyone what he was going to steal before he stole it. And the kicker is, the guy's stealing it tomorrow. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll catch Mr. Big Shot Thief red-handed. I tried not to get my hopes up based on Cass's description. If my time catching thieves and catching feelings for thieves taught me anything, it's that pickpockets congregate where the money is. There had to be thousands of crooks on Lono. The odds that this job involved my thief were slim. So I took the number Cass gave me and called up the producer, a guy named Warner Jane, who was as excited about everything he had his money in as a kid is about his toys. This production of Freedom in Chains is going to be a massive hit. Massive. We've all been working just around the clock on it. And that's why we need you, Steele. Because if someone steals the Prisma Crystal Chimes before their big reveal on the show, we're all sunk. Must be some real big shot thief who's after us, too. Have you have you heard of these calling card things announcing the crime before you do it? Hell, that's style. That's a show. You think I should see if I can get this thief in for the contract, too? Can I take a look at this calling card? Oh, why not? I'll send it over to you now. So I read the card. It said, I will take the Prisma Crystal Chimes on Saturday the 24th of April at 7.40pm local time. Please keep them in good condition until the above date. Yours, an interested party. Couldn't Rayev have written that card, or was I just reading him into it? Forcing his voice onto it? There wasn't much to go on. But the thought of hearing his voice again felt like a hook through the heart pulling tighter and tighter, dragging me towards him. But it didn't matter. Or maybe I couldn't let it matter. I was too rusty as a P.I. to let doe-eyed dreaming trip me up, too. Whoever this thief was, I was going to catch him. And if it happened to be Nureyev... Eyes on the prize, Steele. This job will kill you if you don't take it seriously. Well, what do you make of it? Anything significant about the time and date? 7.40 p.m. tomorrow is during our premiere performance of Freedom in Chains. Damn. Sounds like it'll be a hell of a show. It won't be without these chimes. I'll tell you, Steele, and this stays strictly in confidence between you and me, but before I got into all this sort of art stuff, I wish somebody would have told me how boring it all is. This other show I'm putting on, you wouldn't believe it. It's The whole thing is just two people talking in someone's basement that nobody even gets married at the end. It sounds like a tragedy. Now... I may be a simple Joe, but I like it when there's a little kiss at the end of a show. Maybe that's too traditional of me, but you suggest a little script change, and these artist types get so upset. But I thought the audience needs something to look at, so I got the director a special prop. As a present. What prop was that? Oh, the the Prisma Crystal Chimes. God, the show needs it. It's unwatchable. I... Oh, don't tell Billy I said any of that. I wouldn't get much of a chance to tell Billy Dalton, director of this production of Freedom in Chains, anything Warner Jane had told me. Hell, I wouldn't get much of a chance to tell them anything. When you're in a conversation with Billy Dalton, you're less a participant and more of a witness. Excellent. Another babysitting prospect from the esteemed Warner Jane. 
As if he hasn't given us enough already. You don't sound like Mr. Jane's biggest fan. <laughs> but ain't he given you the money Oh, to- money, yes, money. It would all be fine. If creds were the only thing Warner gave us, it's all these other gifts he keeps throwing at me. Those damn chimes. Carry gold. Those lights. And now you. The chimes? You, you mean the chimes this whole calling card thing is all about? Yeah, I do. Has it occurred to you to wonder how a priceless historical artifact like the Prisma Crystal Chimes ended up in a production like ours? I'm assuming it costs more than a pretty please? Uh, it costs nothing at all besides the complete surrender of my artistic credibility. The owner of the Prisma Crystal Chimes has a passing interest in the theater, you see. And Warner saw that as an opportunity to make everybody happy. <laughs> They're supposed to be some kind of big deal, aren't they? I thought you'd be happy about it. Publicity must be killer. Publicity is only one small part of the greater picture. Making a great work of art is a bit like making a great meal. With top dollar ingredients and equipment, you can, of course, make top dollar cuisine. So you sign with a producer who can get you those ingredients. And perhaps the producer likes his meals a little saltier, so you compromise on the seasoning. And he's vegetarian, so you compromise on the meat. And now he loves eggs, and where are those? And now he has a 10 million quid priceless treasure that he'd like to see covered in eggs, so fine. I We'll add that too. <laughs> so you're saying I'm stomping around in your eggs and you don't want me here? I have always wanted to see Freedom in Chains performed. I have dreamt of my version of this play for years, and I can safely say my imagination never conjured you, those chimes, or Carrie Gold. Oh, sounds like Miss Gold and I have at least one thing in common. Who is she? Why don't we all go attend dress rehearsal and find out, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Clotilda? Is that any better? Carrie, I think... <laughs> that is Carrie Gold. She has never acted before, and she is one half of my cast. Having those chimes stolen in front of everyone, having Carrie Gold scupper the show, it would all almost be worth it for Warner Jane to get what he deserves. All right, people! It's time to start dress rehearsal. I hung around and watched most of Freedom in Chains, and I had to admit, I didn't agree with Warner Jane. The play was a little slow, sure, but it was, I don't know, heartfelt. The other actor, whose name I had learned was Clotilde Fairborough, knew what she was doing. She played Freedom, the prisoner in their evil Baroness's dungeon. And this will always be my strength, my survival. You can keep me in this dungeon for a thousand years, for a thousand thousand... And I will always come back stronger. I will escape from you, Baroness. My day will come. Carrie Gold, on the other hand. You escape from me? Not one soul has ever escaped my dungeon, prisoner. You will work for me, and you will be grateful for every second I allow you to survive in these dark and hopeless halls. I'm no art critic, but I know enough to say this much. Oof. And even worse, despite the fact that the play was called Freedom in Chains, it was Carrie Gold's character, the Baroness, who had the majority of the lines, and most of the good ones. But even with Carrie Gold, the play was 
decent. It was about an evil baroness who imprisons a young artist named Freedom and forces her to build sculpture after sculpture to decorate the baroness's manor. She promises to let her go when she sculpts something of perfect beauty, but of course, perfect beauty never comes. But Freedom keeps trying, keeps carving wooden statuettes until her fingers are covered in splinters, keeps shaping clay and marble until her own hands start to crack and bleed from the constant effort. By Act 2, her body is too broken to make anything at all, and that's when things get really weird. As all these impossible things start happening, and are maybe real or maybe just in Freedom's head, until finally the climax comes, and that's where the Prisma Crystal Chimes came in. Don't forget to bring the chimes on stage this time, Carrie. You have one thing to do, just don't forget it. (laughs) It should be simple. (laughs) It should be. (laughs) And I had to hand it to Warner. Billy might have hated the gifts they'd been given, but together they made for a hell of a show. Would you care to explain what exactly this is? I don't know. Do not lie to me, Freedom. I found them in your chambers while you were conserva- conval- convalescent. This beautiful treasure, this perfectly beautiful thing. Where did you steal it? I didn't steal it. But then, the alternative, alternative you couldn't have possibly. I made it, Baroness. I made it myself. That's impossible. It's the truth. And you promised me my liberty, Baroness. So give it to me. I've created your perfect beauty. Give me freedom. Freedom, you are mine, and you will always be mine. Give me freedom! It's not perfect. You haven't completed your task. It's flaws. The flaws are... Non-existent, Baroness. It has no flaws. Give it to me, and look at it! Really, look! And that's when I saw the other big present Warner Jane had given this production. Because right when Freedom raised those chimes in the air, light and sound exploded around her. It was so huge, so overwhelming that it took a second for my eyes to adjust so I could tell what the hell had actually happened. Colored lights from a series of projectors in the ceiling had all crashed together at one final point. The prisma crystal chimes. They hit that crystal prism and scattered around the room, and the effect was something like a hazy morning fog and something like a sky full of stars, a deeply shimmering space of color and mystery. It was beautiful. And all at once, I got what Billy Dalton saw in Freedom and Chains, because the crystal chimes had drawn the emotion in the air on light and sound. Right on cue. Very good. Whoa. What's with the music? And the laser light show. Another of Warner Jane's suggestions. State-of-the-art, cutting-edge technology on loan from somewhere or another. Another impossibly expensive gift I can't refuse. Cutting-edge? It's nice, but it's just some lights and some music, isn't it? It's the means of control that makes it so precious. Those small gradations in the sound and color, the way it all suffuses into itself. This requires a more delicate touch than any hand controls could ever allow. Instead, it is controlled entirely by brainwaves and neurological activity. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you actually kind of liked this one. Hmm. 
If the play had ended at that moment, I would have given a standing ovation all by myself. But there were still a few lines to go, and unfortunately, most of them were Carrie Gold's. Yo, filthy. Wrench. How could you have done this? Clotilde Fairborough was a much better actor than her counterpart, so she tried to save the moment. But sometimes when you try to catch someone from falling, you both just end up on the floor. I am no... Wrench! You will turn me like a tool no longer. Call me that what you mean to say. Oh boy, here we go. I, um, you filthy wrench, how could you have done this? What was it that you called me? You filthy wench? What? Clotilda, you can't call me names just because I forgot a line. Stop, stop, stop. For the love of God, stop. Carrie, Carrie, do I need to take out the whiteboard? Do we need to go over what acting means again? That wasn't her line. I would remember if Freedom called me a wrench. It's wench, not wrench. W-E-N-C-H. I was trying to tell you you'd mess up your line. Well, you certainly could have been clearer. Why not just whisper, excuse me, Carrie, I hate to trouble you, and great job, by the way, but it appears that your last line was incorrect, and really, the line goes... This is dress rehearsal. We don't stop the show so I can whisper a paragraph to you. But then you just made up a line. How was I supposed to know what to say? Billy, I'm gonna need to take five. Claudia, we don't have time. Oh, we're making time. We're making time. And I'll tell you why we're making time, Billy. Because you owe me. You owe me because I've been in every one of your productions for 20 years now. And I've never once asked for anything. You owe me because I was supposed to be the Baroness, and you rolled over the second carry offered Warner those chimes! Claudia, you owe me, Billy, because this show was supposed to be our big break. Not Warner Jane's, not Carrie Gold's, not yours, ours! And right now, I don't know if anyone will ever cast me again if they see this train wreck. But I'm going to give it my all, Billy. I'm going to drag this show kicking and screaming into something like artistic credibility. And you owe me for that. So act like it. Or you'll see what happens when I'm not feeling so cooperative. Claudie! All right, everyone, we're taking five. Apparently. You didn't hear any of that. Hear any of what? Good. At least this can't get any worse. (laughs) What am I talking about? (laughs) I don't see why the director's so upset. I liked that show. Rita, you like most shows. Yeah, but that part with the chimes was really pretty, wasn't it? And that part with the Baroness called Freedom a wrench. I thought that was a funny joke. How is that a joke? You know, Mrs. Steele, like... Like a... (laughs) Like a wrench, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Excuse me... (laughs) Are you two the, uh, well, are you the security here? Security for one set of chimes in particular. It's Miss Gold, isn't it? It is. Call me Carrie, please. I can't say how grateful I am that Warner sent you. That's the job, Carrie. Mind showing me where you all keep those chimes when they uh, aren't taking center stage? Of course. It's, it's cases just off stage. This way. 
Warner's been so good about giving us the funds and security to protect the Prisma Crystal Chimes. I was so worried when that calling card came in. I was just trying to use my wealth to support the arts and to be a good patron, but You I... seem more like a participant than a patron up there. Oh, thank you. Yes, I think Warner must have seen something in me as an actor. He just gave me the role, and all I had to do was ask for it and offer the use of a priceless and legendary work of art in exchange. Uh, <laughs> hmm... I'll tell you this much. Everyone can definitely tell how good an actor you are. Oh, thank you. You're too kind, Mr... Steele. But just call me Juno. Mind if I ask you a question, Carrie? Please. If you're so concerned about your chimes, why don't you just pull them from the show? Oh, my. I, I couldn't possibly do that. It's, it's my highest priority and hope for this production of Freedom in Chains. To be as incredible as possible, Juno. Something everyone can be proud of. Taking out my chimes would be sabotage. If my acting career doesn't take off after me... What? Never mind. (laughs) Sabotage? That's an interesting thought. So is this box where the chimes are usually kept? It is. It's all held closed by this lock. You see, only our director has the key, and they unlock it just before I'm to take it on stage. But with such a confident thief on the loose, I just don't know, Juno. I've been told it's good, but do you think this lock will hold? I took a close look at the lock on the Prisma Crystal Chimes box. It was a good one, all right. A sleek and dense model Fortissimo 9. One of the many, many, many things Nereev had collected aboard the carte blanche had been padlocks. Some bought and some stolen, some analog and some digital, and sometimes when he had nothing to do with his hands, he'd take one out of his never-ending pockets and pick it, reset it, pick it again. But he'd never had his shot with a Fortissimo 9. The thing was too expensive to be a toy, toy, he said. And and much more trouble than it's worth. The digital tumblers reshuffle as you pick it, making the entire process recursive. Even a thief experienced with the model could take three or four hours picking a Fortissimo 9. Whatever all that meant... I got the main takeaway. Given that the lock was just barely backstage where the cast and crew could all see it, there was no way somebody could pick the lock during the show without getting caught. But I'd learned a lot in my pirate days, and I knew that breaking the lock wasn't the only way to get to the chimes. The box itself was built into the wall and sturdy. I didn't know how sturdy yet, but I was pretty sure I knew how to figure that out. Something gave me a feeling that I was about to figure a lot of things out, but it cost me a lot of sleep to get there. Juno? Don't talk to him when he's like this. He gets really cranky. The lock looks good to me, Miss Gold. But there isn't a lock in the galaxy that can keep a thief out for good. The best thing a lock can do is buy time, and that means someone's got to keep an eye on this box until the show's over. Hmm. You... you don't mean yourself. I do. Go ask the Ruby to print us a couple of sleeping bags, Rita. We're watching these chimes overnight. Staying at the theater overnight bought me three things. One, I'd have a chance to test the condition the chimes were being held in. Two, I'd be able to watch the chimes to make sure nobody tried to pick the lock in the night. And three, the spooky abandoned theater vibes were really goddamn good. I can't say enough how cool it feels to brood mysteriously on an empty, ghostlit stage. Hey, come on, the aesthetic is part of the P.I. gig. Mr. Seal, I'm tired. Go sleep in the ruby, then. I don't want to sleep in the ruby. What if I miss some exciting 
boom, bam, pow action in the meantime. Mr. Steele, could you just ask the bad guys to wait until all the little Ritas wake up before they start the exciting parts? Yeah, sure thing, Rita. You promise? I promise. Good night, Rita. Good night, Mr. Steele. <laughs> Love Rita, but just then I was happy to see her go. Whether or not Rita's useful in a stakeout usually comes down to whether there's a marathon of her favorite stream on to keep her awake. So, I took the time to examine the case for the Prisma Crystal Chimes a little more. Pounding on the box didn't move it an inch. My plasma cutter seared a dark line in the fake wood paneling but wouldn't cut through. It was sturdy, all right. You'd have to make a lot of noise to get through the thing. So between the sturdiness of the box and the thoroughness of the lock, I'd figured one thing out. The thief who left that calling card wasn't going to take the Prisma Crystal Chimes out of their box during the show. They'd have to have someone else do it for them. Someone with the key. Billy Dalton. I was pretty goddamn lost in thought then. It felt good to be back solving a case, turning all the pieces around in my head until they fit in place. But getting too lost in the puzzle is a rookie PI mistake, and I was about to pay for it. See, I'd been so caught up in protecting the chimes... I forgot to protect myself, too. Rita? That you? What the hell are you doing up there? You're gonna break your neck walking around in the... Whoa! Mr. Steele, you promised! I thought I heard a blaster shot! You did. Almost heard a P.I. frying, too. Hey, you get back here! Shoot me to my face if you're so tough! I flicked my blaster to stun and let a hot bolt of light loose into the darkness. I had hoped for a yelp, thump, thump surprise and then someone hitting the floor. What I got was a sizzle crash and I didn't know what the hell that meant. They weren't running. At least that meant I was gaining on them. I took the ladder up to the catwalk two rungs at a time, but by the time I reached the top, I heard the running start up again and I knew I had missed the shot. Took aim again, but I couldn't fire. The guts of the theater were too dark. No idea what I'd hit where a laser ricochet might fly. I knew I was too late. But a good P.I. is like a dog with a bone, I remembered, and I wasn't going to give up. I followed their footsteps across the catwalk, felt the crinkle of paper beneath my foot, reminded myself to check it out later. It was pitch black up there, too dark to see, so I followed the pounding feet and held onto the handrails for dear life. Down the catwalk ladder, through the backstage storage, and finally out into the warm, exhaust-heavy night air of Lono. Taxis flew by on the street. A theater next door had opened its doors post-showing and pedestrians flooded out onto the sidewalk. There were a million places for the mysterious gunman who'd taken a shot at me to disappear. I'd lost them. And even though I'd almost been killed, there was a thrill in my heart that wouldn't stop singing. Was it an array of hiding in one of these crowds or cars barely a dozen feet away from me? Had I missed him by seconds? I tamped the fire burning in my chest down as best I could, and no, it wasn't Nereyev. Nereyev wouldn't have taken a shot at me. I knew him that well, at least. But then, who the hell was it? When I got back inside, I saw Rita climbing down the ladder from the catwalk. That's when I remembered the slip of paper the gunman had dropped. Making me climb up a ladder just to make me climb down a ladder. Rita, while you were up there, did you find anything? <laughs> Just this little piece of paper, Mr. Steele. Here. Pawn shop ticket. With a Lono address. So, you didn't catch the bad guy? Nope. They got away from me. This time. But I think I've narrowed down who our thief is. Oh, 
Really? Who is it? Whoever it was knew this theater well. It's too dark to see a thing around here, and they still navigated their way to the back door without crashing into anything. They must be someone who's in here a lot. Or who's supposed to be in here often enough that they could study their route without raising suspicion. So... you don't think it was... Mr. Nureyev? If anybody could plan something like this, it'd be him. But the chimes weren't the target tonight. I was. Killing the guard a full day before the theft, that's not his style. Especially if that guard is me. Then who is it? Someone who's supposed to be in this theater all the time, Rita. And we met three people like that just today. The director and the cast of Freedom in Chains. If you've enjoyed this tale, please consider supporting The Penumbra. You can do so by buying our merchandise. Just search for The Penumbra Podcast on dftba.com to find posters, pins, apparel, soundtracks, and recordings of our live shows. You can also make a one-time donation to The Penumbra via PayPal at The Penumbra Podcast. Or, if you'd like to keep our stories running in the long term, we hope you will support us on Patreon. Every dollar helps. At just $4 per episode or higher, you will receive ad-free episodes two days before the public release. At the $7 level, you will gain access to behind-the-scenes content and production scripts. And at the $10 level, you will receive access to commentary tracks like this one from co-creators Harley Takagi Kaner and Kevin Viber. I think you said that this felt like some of the episodes in season one, but good. Yeah. <laughs> That is exactly how I felt about it. You know, like, oh, cool. This, like, fun, zany mystery that, like, has the noir flavor and a lot of the noir and mystery tropes. We would like to give thanks to all who support us on Patreon, but especially to Tony in the case of the final season, Kaylin Vajvodin, Ren, Cody Spaghetti, Kyra, Nito Watts, Jack M. Cohen, thank you Penumbra team for your amazing work, Braylon, Boudica Walsh, Hannah and Leah's adventures in gender shenanigans, The Lady Guinevere, Adrienne S., Shelley Schrode, Kevin Please Say Butts on live recording thanks, Nelson, Osipete, Evit Connie, Benjamin Fisher, SCP Chloe, Desert Willow Always Does This, Theo Alex Dean, Nate Gibson, Jun Gashoku, Skyfire Forever, Allison Hull, Stryker Flynn, Liv Allen, Alice the Time Lord, Aaron, In Memory of Spiral Opal, Eden the Gay Bookworm, Michael David Smith, the patron named Guess Who Now Murmurs O Saint Damien Every Time Something Mildly Distressing Happens, Caroline Seidman, Radius Ulna, Rain and Pippin from the Glen Dimension, Karen ZH, Season 5 Let's Go, Genetic, Minchowski, and Jamie Gunter for their incredibly generous contributions per episode. Thank you. This tale, Juno Steele and the Vanishing Act, was told by the following people. Joshua Elon as Juno Steele, Kate Jones as Rita, Amanda Egbu as Billy Dalton, Sarah Morin as Carrie Gold, Stephanie Jean Toussaint as Clotilda Fairborough, Cam Cronin as Warner Jane, and Leslie Drescher as Cassandra Kanagawa. The Penumbra is created and produced by Harley Takagi Hainer and Kevin Vibert. 
If you wish to know more about the full production team, you can read about them in the show notes of this episode. I'm afraid that is our time for today, dear traveler. We hope you will join us again soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.